0: Hello and welcome to Diverse and Inclusive Leaders, this is the show where I speak with the most inspirational and thought-provoking leaders of today and unearth their unique stories about diversity and inclusion to help inspire, educate and motivate others to make the world a better place. Today, I'm joined by your class, Barry. She is an associate trainer with an organization called Henpicked. She's passionate about uh, discussing and advocating for menopause in the workplace, both in the UK Ireland and beyond. She's worked for many years within the professional training and uh, industry design and planning implementation space when it comes to people programs. And she's using her incredibly strong knowledge and understanding of workplace wellness and psychology in order to drive forth better practice for organizations when it comes to the menopause. She has an MSc in occupational health psychology is it's also an independent researcher. Welcome to the show, Dorcas.
1: Thank you so much, Leila. Lovely to be here.
0: Thank you very much for joining us. And I'm really excited about this podcast today, in particular because we're discussing the menopause or what I often hear as the M word sometimes in organisations. And yeah. um, for many years, as I'm sure you have, um, have heard and seen, this has been a relatively taboo subject. And so I wonder um, whether you could tell us a little bit more about how this passion came about and also a little bit about you personally and how you came to be where you are today so our listeners have a chance to get to know you better.
1: Sure, okay. Um, How did I end up working around menopause? I Originally, my work with organizations was around food and diet and nutrition, which that was my original qualification, which I did a very long time ago. Um, And I used to work with organisations organization running healthy eating events and, you know, doing different classes with companies all around Ireland, all around the country. But you, you kind of get to a stage when you're working in that field where you realize that food is only one part of it. I was working part time because I was also raising my family at the same time. So I wasn't doing it full time. And when I got to the stage where I started menopause myself and I was looking at other ways of approaching health, for women, I decided to go back to college and retrain and reinvent myself and work in occupational health psychology. When it came to choosing research project, I was post started menopause, going through menopause. So it really felt like the right fit to focus on that, that whole area, particularly as well as you say, it's so taboo and so unknown about, and women are, are quite you know, frightened to talk about it. And one of the first conversations that I had with, with a woman who was quite high up in a legal company in Ireland, she basically said, there is no way that we would ever discuss menopause in our workplace. And there is no way that I would put a fan on my desk because that would be like a, a signal and a sign to everybody else in the office that I was in menopause. And I'd, I just, along with, I'd been contemplating working in this area and contemplating researching it. And when I heard her talking about this, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm, this, is, this is where I wanna go. This is what I want to look at because it's, it's huge. It's absolutely huge, the big issue for women. So that was how it came about. And once I finished my research, which which to my knowledge was the first research in Ireland that had been done of women's experience of menopause in the workplace. Then I, I went uh, to find where, where can I work in this area? And I started working with Henpicked uh, because I was just so impressed with the work that they were doing. So I, I trained with them and now I'm working with them.
0: Well, wow. Wow, thank you so much for sharing, Dorcas, and also for being incredibly candid. And I'm sure, well, I hope uh, that for others listening in, that they too are shocked by the fact that someone was not wanting to put a fan on their desk, not wanting to talk about this, used the word never. I hate the word never. It's so, it's so finite. And this is something, I mean, look, I... I have not yet gone through the menopause, but it is something to me that affects approximately 50% of the population because we're all going to get there if we are women at some point. And so it seems just completely crazy not to be talking about something that it is just uh, so incredibly effective on women's lives ultimately and so I commend you for for talking out about this and I think some of the work that Hempick are doing is absolutely brilliant and what's interesting as well is that you've made that move from health and food and wellness through to now the menopause which ultimately I'm sure the two to an extent have been intrinsically linked have they?
1: Yes, they are, and that's what's so interesting as well, because all of these other issues, such as our, you know, our nutrition, exercise, mental health, you know, they all tie in, they're all so relevant in the menopause conversation and they all play a really big part. This woman that I mentioned that I spoke to originally, her response to talking about menopause in the workplace intrigued me so much. And when I went and did my own research, it was re- I really realized it was just a can of worms the kind of things that women were saying to me when I was interviewing them in my own research then were were at pretty much backing up 100% what 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 she had originally said to me at the beginning
0: wow so talk me through for those that don't know the absolute ins and outs and the in-depth research that clearly you've been doing what are some of the signs when does this normally happen um you know talk to us a little bit about you know education some of the basics some of the awareness what can we be looking out for if we are an organization and we don't have a menopause policy in place already
1: Okay, well, in, in summary, and I'll try to keep it you know, like as succinct as possible, basically, uh, one, three out of four women will, will experience symptoms that will affect them at work. And one in four of the of the women in the workplace will experience very severe symptoms, which will be can be debilitating. So so it's a lot, you know, a large number. There's a very lucky uh, one in four percent then that don't have any symptoms whatsoever and will, you know, will sail through the whole experience. The average age of menopause is 51 now, and women can start in what's known as perimenopause, which is the lead up to menopause, which can last between five and seven years. So if you're working backwards, that on average will probably start around age 45. And that is typically the 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 most difficult part of menopause for most women, partly because many women aren't educated enough about the symptoms and what to look out for. So they don't really know that they're actually in menopause. If you look at the way that the hormones change in the body in perimenopause, the main hormone, which plays the biggest part, which is estrogen, is all over the place. It goes up and down really, high. it's like a roller coaster. So you can imagine one day you'd be feeling fantastic, another day you might be feeling dry. And when you get to menopause, it's actually a one day event. So, menopause is diagnosed by 12 months with no period. So, you reach menopause on this one day, and every day after that, for the rest of your life, you're considered postmenopausal. And women still experience symptoms in postmenopause, and this can go on for quite a long time. It can sometimes go on for five to 10 years in postmenopause. So you're talking about quite a a long period of time, an average around about 10 years, where women will experience symptoms. And as I said, three out of four of those women experience symptoms that will affect them at work, one out of four symptoms that will seriously affect them at work. And we, we also do know from the research that one in four women will consider leaving their jobs because their symptoms are so bad. And we also know that those symptoms are increasingly psychological as opposed to physical. So a lot of it is about perception. A lot of it is about feeling that they, you know, they they don't know what to do. They don't know how to deal with it. And they don't feel that they can be open about what's happening. They don't feel like they can go and approach their managers or talk about what's happening because of the taboo. And in the research that I did, over 90% of the women that I spoke to said that they would rather, you know, die than go and speak to their manager um, about the fact that they were in menopause. And there's lots of different, different women have different reasons for that. This is a really challenging issue in the workplace because every single woman will have a different experience of menopause. There are no two women on the planet who will have the same experience. So in the workplace, this is really something that you need to deal with on an individual basis. Um, And and really, the, the manager needs to be trained so that they know what to listen to. They know how to listen and they know how to support somebody so they can find the right way through this journey, which is quite a challenging one.
0: Wow, those statistics, I have to say, are absolutely shocking. Mm-hmm. And when we're hearing that women would, some some of them rather die than go speak to their manager, it makes you think we absolutely have got to do something about this, because there's so many women who are suffering silence. And, you know, we look at the other wider uh, kind of statistics of women starting to, or I say women starting to the pandemic, amongst many other factors, we're seeing a diminishing number of women in the world workforce, we absolutely need to look at interventions that we can put in place in order to retain these women. Because presuming that this happens, as you say, an average age of say 45, these women are then in the workforce, potentially or leaving for an average of 10 years. At that age, it's highly likely they'll have had many, many years worth of career experience. So surely that's going to be a huge amount of knowledge leaving the organization and a huge amount of knowledge that we could have been bringing Mm. inside our business, retaining to drive forth greater work, greater productivity and the rest of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, you know, there's absolutely no doubt. Menopause happens at an age exactly as you say, where a woman would be looking at career progression, would be looking at moving up the ladder. We don't have any statistics at the moment. There, there is a research, the first research project being done at the moment in the financial um, industry, looking at the the effect of menopause on the on the career path and on, you know, on moving up um, in an organisation. But that research is not out yet; it's not published yet, so. We don't know how menopause affects it, but there's no two ways about it that it definitely will affect a woman at exactly that stage. It's a very stressful stage of life for lots of different reasons. You know, there's a lot, there can be a lot of extra responsibilities. There can be a lot of extra caring responsibilities. It It can be a stage in a woman's life where she's experiencing changes in her life, children leaving home, divorce. There's so many other things that are going on. And we do also know that stress Stress plays an enormous part in menopause. So, what happens in our in women's bodies is that after postmenopause, the same glands in our bodies that produce cortisol, which is the stress hormone, um, produce estrogen. So, the more stressed a woman is in postmenopause, the less likely her body is going to be able to produce estrogen. So, stress is an enormous factor. So, as you say, for a woman um, taking on extra responsibilities and looking at career progression, looking at promotion, they need to be really in tip top shape and be looking after themselves properly so that they're not taking on extra stress, which is going to uh, hinder them at a later stage.
0: Just seems so incredibly unequitable and I do talk about equity versus equality a lot within the podcast. And um, for those who are listening, we will talk through some more challenges, but we will get to the solution. So definitely stay tuned. But picking up on something that you said before, Dorcas, the gender gap and and, and the divide as to as we all um, in corporate organisations move throughout our career, hit this tipping point, as you say, around the forty five mark, where we could be at say the peak of our career. I imagine women at that stage got some fantastic experience they may have potentially come back from maternity leave what you know other things within their life and then now back on this career trajectory only to be hit by the menopause at um, at that real pivotal point and as you know a lot of the research we've been doing with the mackenzie dellas review is around these 10 facets of diversity the CEO minus two And we notice that every single one of those different facets of diversity starts to peter off the higher you get up the corporate ladder. And so it makes me think very much around intersectionality here, because you talk of, you know, time in a woman's life, you know, other things happening, children leaving home, et cetera, all causing stress. Well, that's not just Asian generation. It's not just gender. It's also you know, the caring responsibilities, you know, the fact that um, there is generational um, facets here at play, which on this point seem to be some of the negative facets of of, of generation as well playing out. It is no wonder to see that actually there is a, you know, a bit of a sharp decline and that people are leaving the workforce. It must be a, 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 a contributing factor to this decline for senior females as we, we reach these lofty levels of the C-suite.
1: Yeah, and it's, you know, we do, we're do we hitting gender ageism here as well, you know, like, you know, it, it is that, you know, that dual thing of, you know, age and women. And then also what I came across in my re- research was a term called lookism as well. So this was like a, a triple jeopardy, because women were afraid to say what age they were, were hiding the fact that they were age, were also really conscious of the fact of uh, their appearance, that that was giving away any you know appearance was giving away their age as well so it was all tying into all these different areas where women were starting to lose a lot of confidence they were just feeling vulnerable because of all of these different issues that were coming at them all at once
0: Mm. and without going down the route of the gender stereotyping piece for women in particular when I look at males often I had this very conversation with my husband the other day and said to him yeah but it's You know, with guys, you guys kind of, you know, out in the media are seen as um, aging um, gray foxes, silver foxes, they call it, you know, it seems to be much easier for guys. You know, even when you look on the TV, what we see in magazines, in the media, there is less positive reinforcement when it comes to older women. Why is this?
1: Yeah, I know. It's it's just, I think part of it is... Uh, is age old stuff, you know, that that is, you know, like 100 years ago, women experienced menopause at 57. Um, but the, uh, they they died at age 59. So menopause was something that was linked to something end of life and aging. And, and so we're, we're still trying to shake off the, those perceptions that still exists around all of that. Um, and then also the taboo in the silence, you know, women have not been talking up about this, they have been keeping quiet, they have been suffering in silence so we, you're right we just we have we don't see it is starting to change now we are starting to see really positive role models and you know women uh, of this menopausal age really becoming successful and talking out so it's it's absolutely fantastic that this is changing now but you you are absolutely right there is there is a there has been a real lack of 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 in the media of women of menopausal age standing up and saying this is this is what's happening i'm working through it and i'm dealing with it and i'm i'm you know it's it's just part of me and part of who i am we we often give an example in our training of a woman that we worked with who was very high up in her company and she started to have cognition issues with her menopause which completely terrified her because like you know, we talk about the women, the one in four. She thought this is going to really damage my reputation, and she. We talked to her and coached her about talking with her uh, her line manager, which she did. And he he was great, and he just said, to her, what can I do to help?" Which is like exactly, you know, the the right response. As I said earlier, every woman is completely different. And um, for them, what she was finding was they used to meet in the corridor and exchange information. And previously, that was not a problem for her. She'd go back, she'd remember everything. But all of a sudden, she started to realize, I can't retain this information. Getting back to her desk and not being able to remember something and going, you know wow you know what do i have to check by email and getting really concerned that she was going to uh, she was going to lose out and damage her reputation so for, she just talked to him and said well look can we just make sure that we're always at my desk when we when we're discussing action steps and and that's what they did and that was all she needed so i, I love that example because it really shows that First of all, every woman is different. Secondly of all, we're not always talking about massive, huge changes here. Sometimes it can be small little things that make an enormous difference and opening up the conversation. So conversations around menopause being as normal as every other conversation. That's the biggest change that we need to look at. And if you can imagine, like that woman is still in that organization. She's still thriving. She's she's still doing a job that she loves. But as you said much earlier on, they could have lost somebody incredibly valuable from their team. That that all she needed was that little adjustment, and now you know she's doing really, really well, and she's really happy. So what's that's what's so important here is we can if we open up the conversation, if we remove the taboo, if if we coach people on how to have the right conversation, how to have the supportive conversation. Where to get the right kind of support and how to get the right kind of support, then that means that women have that chance to step into that space. They have the chance to be able to to go where they want to go within their organizations and thrive and and be amazing, which is you know what, what what every woman should have the chance to to do you know whatever she wants to do within her career and not be hindered by menopause.
0: concur everyone should have the opportunity uh, to to continue and not to have confidence broken uh, by something that ultimately could have been solved and i love that example because it demonstrates to your point that small and simple interventions that boost confidence that allow that change that are accepting by management make a huge difference and we're retaining all that wonderful rich talent. Now, talking about positives, what can people do within the workforce? People who were tuning in thinking, oh my goodness, I think there might be someone in the workplace going through this. And um, you know, many of us, I'm sure, with our with our mums, um, you know, as well. I remember when my mum went through the, the menopause and she um often told me these stories back when she was in the NHS where they'd all be stood underneath the air conditioning unit, all fanning themselves because a number of the ladies were going through menopause at the same time. What can people do? In order to help, if we spot someone in the workplace that we think, oh, they may be going through the menopause, perhaps you could talk us through some of the symptoms that we, we may see. Probably hot flushes is one of the most obvious and well known. But what else can we do to help and support? And what other interventions could we put in place, such as employee resource groups, which I'd love to see for the menopause? more so.
1: Um, I think really the the most important, well, there's a few different things, but the most important thing to do to stop, to open up the conversation is training for line managers. That is that is really key here. You know, that, that's also hindered by the fact that, uh, you know, the perception is that menopause only affects 50% of the population. That's not true. Menopause affects 100% of the population. Uh, it's not just the women themselves. It's their partners. It's their, their kids. It's their friends. It's their family. It's their work uh, colleagues. It's everybody. So um, training for line managers is, is essential because it really allows them the space to be comfortable it's not just women themselves that are uncomfortable about having that conversation it's also line managers like they're absolutely terrified as to I don't want to offend somebody or I don't want to say something that would upset a woman they they find it very difficult they don't have often have the the confidence to have that conversation because it, it can be a difficult conversation in our training that we do we do coach both sides as to how to have that conversation so and it, it it once once you do that it does make huge changes and um, the other thing that you can do is having a menopause policy it's not legal at the moment but you know we suspect that it will be in the not too distant future but it's really really important because it really communicates to everybody within the organization that the organization cares about this issue so having a menopause policy communicating it regularly, uh, taking advantage of International Women's Day, Menopause Day, International Menopause Day, which is in October, any of the women health days that are that happen throughout the year, taking advantage of every one of those opportunities to promote the policy and also writing a policy that's individual to that organization. Because not only is is every woman completely different, but also every, every organization is completely different. And the culture within every organization is completely different. So the policy works best when it's personalized for that organization. Like, you know, even from the point of view, if you look at it from a practical sense, a, a, an organisation that has largely office-based workers are going to have completely different needs from a menopause point of view than an organisation, say, that is retail-based and has a lot of women that are working on the floor. I mean, you, you know, it, you, you can just imagine the issues are so completely different. So, so it's very, very important to personalise um, a policy for an organisation. And then, you know, it's it's really just about a training for everybody. So like a colleague awareness training just to to so that everybody understands what the issues are. Um, we have found that this is hugely beneficial for men as well, as well as women, not just from the point of view of colleagues, but many men that will attend our sessions then will also because their partners may be going through menopause. So they learn a huge amount about all of that as well. And we find that hugely beneficial. One of our clients... Uh, Southeastern Rail, like the rail company, their train drivers have to come to work every day and sign a a form to say that they've had a good night's sleep. And one train driver came and said, I can't sign this form. When they asked him why, he said, well, have you ever slept beside a menopausal woman? So, you know, duvet on, duvet off, like awake all night on and off. And they have an 80% male workforce, but on the basis of that, that happening, they decided to do menopause awareness for all of their workforce. And the men were hugely, uh, they were delighted with this information because they were all experiencing this in their relationships. And it made a huge difference. And as you know, like lack of sleep, I mean, everybody can, you know, is really badly affected by lack of sleep. So yeah, training for everybody really helps, really makes a difference. So they would be, they would be the key starting points.
0: What brilliant interventions, brilliant interventions. I love the fact that we're talking about guys as well. I mean, as you probably know, uh, listening to the show, I'm such a fan of diversity being everyone's issue but that can be a huge positive at the same time. We're not just talking about individual groups here because there's the intersectionality across them all um, and the fact that um, often um, not only being allies is a huge support but you have situations uh, like this where someone who may be affected by a certain area their partner needs to understand in order to help them through it and to um, support them in their own life and in their own workplace, ultimately, especially if you have two working uh, partners. So Dorcas, thank you ever so much and um, would love to run into a a quick lightning round at the end where I'll give you 30 seconds to answer each question before we summarise for the day. And on the subject of everyone having different experiences, I wonder what does diversity and inclusion mean to you personally?
1: Oh, it just really means everybody been able to be their true selves, been able to bring who they are, um, be able to be completely open about what they're experiencing and and feeling free to to bring all of their talents um, and all of their skills um, without anything holding them back in terms of who they
0: are as a person. And what about Authentic? leadership? I know we've probably touched on a number of these points. What is authentic leadership to you?
1: To me, it means um, being able to say, I don't know, (laughs) being able to say, uh, okay, I made a mistake, um, it's about being really open and really honest and really encouraging and being able to be aware of the biases that we all have and, and being able to acknowledge that they're there, but still being able to support and still being able to guide people um, in, in a really positive way.
0: Wonderful. And how about your most inspiring individuals or heroes, sheroes, books, authors, people that you have met along life's journey?
1: Um, well, that, for me, that changes all the time. I'm an avid reader, so I'm always reading new things. I really love Martha Beck, The Way of Integrity. She's she's been one of the the m- most amazing books that I've read recently. I'm a, I love Brené Brown as well. Um, all her work around vulnerability is absolutely fantastic, and her TED talks are amazing. I guess uh, I, I meditate, so I'm I'm a real meditation fan. I try to meditate every day. Uh, and I love the work of Joe Dispenza. He he's really inspirational to me. So yeah, they they would be they it changes all the time. But they're the they're the the people that I watch I'm watching out for at the moment.
0: I love Brené Brown. I'm so with you on that one. I've got a major girl crush on Brené yeah. Brown. She is just wonderful. Uh, and last but but never least, if you could go back in time and rewind to uh, the much younger Dorcas, uh, mm-hmm. I wonder what would you say to her if you could give her a piece of advice or or wisdom for the future or indeed someone else who is in a similar situation
1: just be brave jump off the cliff do it and um, I think I worried too much in my younger years about what, you know, what if what if this will happen or worry about negative consequences with experience. I've learned that things generally work out for the best if you just leave them be and step back a little bit. So I wish I'd taken more risks. I wish I'd 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 uh, I'd just jumped believing that everything would be OK. So that, that would be what I would say. <laughs>
0: Brilliant answer. Uh, I have to say, it looks like you've done pretty well, though, even if you're regretting not taking the odd risk. And, you know, it's been a real joy having you on the show, DoorCast. We've had some incredibly valuable information. I'm going to do my best really now to to summarize. Everyone that is listening in, I know that you all have been inspired by listening to DoorCast talk about the menopause. If you're thinking... And if we haven't yet convinced you that this is not about you, believe me, it is. And try and have that conversation internally with anyone and see how it can possibly positively change. How you look at things and um, hopefully even retain some of that great, uh, great talent uh, within the workplace. Actions and interventions have been super useful. So, Dorcas, thank you. Training, coaching for both sides, uh, considering having a menopause policy and communicating that regularly, but knowing that personalization is also the best. None of us are the same as anyone else, frankly, within the workplace or within the world. And so understanding personalization one within the state of play of your own workforce and the demographics within your workforce, but also on the individual as well. Um, you'll be surprised positively, I hope, by reaching out and making a small start. Remember that every single one of us can do, um, can make a difference, I should say. And finally, if you haven't uh, got a menopause employee resource group or business resource group I'd absolutely say do consider it because you may have individuals who are going through similar things and have them form a small collective to be able to talk more about this and look at positive interventions it's a fantastic idea um so Dorcas thank you ever so much um Thank you so much for being here. And if you would like to find out more about the great work that DoorCast does, you can visit menopauseintheworkplace.co.uk, menopausefriendlyaccreditation.co.uk, and also henpicked as well. Uh, DoorCast is on LinkedIn. We'll make sure that we put all of the show notes in the end of today's show. If you've missed anything at all, you'll be able to listen in on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, your favourite podcast app, Or you can dive straight into the Dial Global app and find us there. It's in the App Store, Dial Global Network. My name is Layla McKenzie-Dellis. You've been listening to DoorCast, Barry. Um, We will look forward to seeing you again very soon. www.dialglobal.org forward slash podcast. Thank you so much for watching the Diverse and Inclusive Leaders podcast. Please do feel free to hit the like button below or if you'd like to receive future notifications do ping the notification bell here at the side if you're interested in the audio version only you can find it on the following streaming platforms any extra info and descriptions will be in the links below look forward to seeing you soon